welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Shalati. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We are not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, how can I find a place where I belong? So Charlie and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both have roughly the same level of maturity. But there are some pretty big differences. For example, Ben is 10 years older than I am, so he probably should be a little more mature. It's hard to act my age. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We would like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. So today we're joined by Rachel. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Rachel. All right. So I am a student. I'm finishing up a degree in social work and neuroscience. Mm. And I also work in social work as a caseworker at the Women's Resource Center in downtown Salt Lake. Fantastic. Yeah. What do you want to do when you graduate? Um, Therapy, ultimately, is at least part of what I want to do. And then ultimately, I'd like to get a PhD and do research and kind of some implementation of policy and procedure changes in foster care. Wonderful. Rachel, I imagine this is a little bit less stressful than the first time I interviewed you. (laughs) Most definitely. So just so everyone knows, I met Rachel when I was judging Miss Utah this past year, 2019. Mm And she comes in for the first interview, and this is my first impression of her. She walks in, she's wearing like this red jumpsuit, the curls are popping, like bold lip, she looks good, and there was a podium in the room. Oh, man. Um, but Rachel does not stand behind no podium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets right in front of it. She's like, like uncomfortably close, but not like too close, and everyone's like, who is this? Anyway, she was so bold. And we just like are spit firing questions at her and she's just taking it like a champ. And uh, the last question, she just like mic drops and times up and she just like walks out the door and, <laughs> and everyone just like jaw dropping. And I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I get my pen and I was like nine, <laughs> which, is a, which is a very high score. Um, I, I don't know if I gave a 10, but like you, your interview was so good. Thank you. And, uh, so I guess you're probably not nervous for this at all. Not not as bad as that, that's for sure. What a great experience. That was <laughs> that was like my childhood, like my gay dream, judging <laughs> a beauty pageant. And he slayed at it. Oh, Let's I, just say I, I that. said beauty pageant because I wanted to catch you and, <laughs> and see if you It were. is a scholarship competition. <laughs> it really is. And I learned that. I didn't You better have. It was so nice. And all the girls had like social impact initiatives Aww. and they were doing such good things. And I was like, wow, these are smart women. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. I thought I knew about that program, I was I was wrong. And I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, so was I. Oh, it was so fun. Best week of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Rachel, what was your talent? <laughs> I sang. Uh-huh. Yeah, I sang Rise Up by Andre Day. It's a great anthem to have. So it was it, to perform on Echo Stage. It was an honor. It was really cool. Wonderful. Yeah. You were such a good contestant. <laughs> wow. And then it turns out um, you came out later. And, I did. Because I, I hadn't met you, but it turns out we had a lot of the same friends and mm-hmm. we just didn't know. Yep. So True story. Amazing. <laughs> so today we're talking about how to find a place where we belong. Mm-hmm. And this would mean that sometimes we feel like we don't belong. Absolutely. So Rachel, how have you worked through figuring out where you belong? You know, it's definitely been a a lifelong journey for me. Um, I was transracially adopted when I was younger and growing up in a family of a different race definitely has some interesting aspects to, to it. So I've always, I think had a relation to feeling a little bit on the outside, if you will. Mm. Um, but then also even, even further, obviously, with being LGBT. And I actually didn't come out until a year ago. And so 
that was that was a long time of feeling, you know, a sense of, I guess, not quite fitting in for sure and really trying to be with everyone else, but not that one part of me, you know, trying to just hide and keep that one part out of the scenario that I was in and, and out of every relationship that I was in. And that, that really kind of alienated me in a way for sure. Yeah. So even from your earliest days, you felt like you didn't fully belong. For sure. And then there was this extra added layer of your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Centerville, Utah, which is a a little tiny town. And there's not a lot of diversity, both racially and also LGBT community. I I really didn't know anyone that was publicly out growing up LGBT. And so that was really difficult as well to not even have like a, a role model or someone I could look to that that was part of the community. It wasn't really something that I, I saw a lot of and that made it really hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. I grew up in a family where I looked like everybody, so I, I can't mm-hmm. relate to that experience <laughs> at all. Um, but I remember being with, with people who like other, other guys who, who would talk about being attracted to women and just like feeling like I didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And I remember them talking about sports and just like not fitting in yeah. and just like this feeling of, of not fitting in general. Like, like there's no one like me. Yeah, absolutely. I I had a similar experience growing up. I think I I often tried to to change who I was in order to I tried to be a chameleon for a mm-hmm. lot of years and just try to like fit in with the group that I was around. And um, I come from a, a very sports heavy family, and I love sports. But um, like when I would go to basketball camps with the basketball team, I would like try to be somebody I wasn't. Yeah. And that created a lot of dissonance for me. And I just always felt like no matter what I did. I could never connect with people and I, well, I guess it's because I wasn't being myself. Um, but yeah, feeling like you don't belong is, is very real. And for me, a lot of it, um, was stemmed from like, kind of like an internal paranoia mm-hmm. of maybe first not belonging to myself, but, but secondly, not feeling like anybody could ever accept me or, or that I had a place to belong. Absolutely. Yeah. So what have you done to find your people? Um, the first thing that I did when I came out to myself, if you will, I, I freaked out <laughs> for sure. And I was so nervous about what social implications would be held if I were to come out. And so I looked up resources and I found a place called Encircle uh, that had therapy and, and resources for LGBT individuals. And I, I set an appointment immediately um, the following day, took a sick day from work and really just mm-hmm. tried to find a place that I knew I could feel safe. And, um, my goal was to really build a community around me that I knew no matter what happened when I came out, I would have a place to go and I'd have people to go to. Mm -hmm. And that really proved to be the thing that gave me the confidence to come out. I think just knowing that I had a sense of security. Yeah. So the the first place you felt like you, you could belong was this place in circle. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge for me. I, I went in and I was so nervous and kind of that paranoia I definitely relate to being there. I was like, what if people see me here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I see someone I know, what do I do? And and I was so nervous that coming out would be kind of taken from me that someone would just kind of forced me out. And so I was super paranoid about being seen at anything LGBT, but I loved being there because it was the first time that I felt like there was a possibility of me being fully authentic. And that gave me so much hope. I relate to that so much because I started, so I didn't really realize that there was a massive support system in Utah. I, w- I was at BYU mm-hmm. and I feel like all the support was so underground. It, it was really hard for me to find. But once when I, I was able to tap into that, I realized that there were a lot of different groups and organizations and I would start going to things to kind of practice what it was like to not feel paranoid that I was gay. 
And starting there and being able to be in a place where that part of me was so accepted and so okay, even if like we didn't have the same interests, Mm -hmm. that was, I don't know, it was so wild to me that, and and I started practicing what it felt like to, to belong somewhere. Um, especially for this thing that I never thought could belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I uh, I first came out when I was 23, and I didn't really have a gay friend where I was open about being gay, and they were open about, about being gay until I was like 30. So I didn't. I felt like you know I I didn't really feel like I needed to be around other gay people for some reason during those years. Uh, but then when I was in my in my early 30s, I just felt like I was the only gay Larry I knew about in Tucson. And I had felt so alone and isolated for so long. I thought, you know, there's no way I'm the only one. And so some friends and I got together and we started uh, a, a group. And and that was one of the the first times I really felt like I belonged. Like these people mm-hmm. who like got me on so many levels and who just became family to me. Um, I remember Pride. Um, this last year I went to Pride and it was the first time I'd ever even really knew much about pride and what it was like in Salt Lake. Um, and I remember walking in the parade and it was an overpowering spiritual experience for me to, um, you know, I wasn't publicly out yet. I was only really out to myself in this immediate group of people I had, you know, gotten to know. I wasn't even out to my family at this point. And I remember getting emotional as I walked down this, this road of thousands of people and seeing that all these thousands of people were okay with who I was and they supported who I was. And if these people could support who I truly am in my full authenticity, everything. Um, I knew in that moment that I could learn how to as well. Cause I was still kind of going through the acceptance process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I remember that overwhelming feeling of, um, just people being dressed so differently and so extravagantly. And, and it was just acceptance. It was just love and people were just okay with everyone being who they were. And that was, I had this overpowering feeling that like this was church to me. Like that, that's what I imagine it being like, you know, it's just, everyone's okay. And, and just choosing love in that moment. And that was, that was a very profound moment for me. Yeah. Uh, What was, what was spiritual about that? I think just one of the biggest things I've learned in the LGBT community has been about um, Christ-like love. Um, I've learned more in this community about that than I have in, in my lifetime prior. And I just think that it's because, we just, whoever comes to the table is welcome. And there's, there's no questioning that they can, you know, be someone that prior we we might've judged, but in the community I've, I've learned and seen so much acceptance that that's what I think Christ's message was. And, you know, he went out and sat with people, right? It wasn't that he just sat with them in this one building. He went out and found them. And that's what that experience was to me. Mm -hmm. I'm remembering how you said that you're, you're finding belonging was a process. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my own process, um, in these years when I was uh, probably similar to where you were at, at this pride that like a lot of people knew I was gay within like gay communities and organizations, mm-hmm. but my, my actual friends, like the people I was hanging out with on a daily basis and my family didn't. And, um, it was really interesting because in my experience, as I was trying to find belonging, for the the gay side of me, it started like pulling away from my actual life. Mm-hmm. And then I started feeling weird too, because I felt like, I don't know, there was just so many ways I was like pocketing different sides of me mm-hmm. with different people Absolutely. to feel like I belonged. And I realized that I, w- I was working on a day-to-day basis without true belonging. And then I was going to places for refuge maybe once a week or once a month where I could belong mm-hmm. as a gay man. And I decided from that moment on that I would try to 
like create my own group, my own like tribe of people who were with me every day. So I would have an ongoing support system and not have to like work so hard to mm-hmm. feel like I belonged somewhere. And I just started carefully and prayerfully and in like a calculated manner coming out to my friends and the people who I was closest to. And I was very open and honest with them. And I let them ask me a ton of questions. And um, like even I was like, there's nothing wrong that you could say. Just just get it out now so we can work through it. And the experience of doing that was almost always really beautiful and, and spiritual and freeing. And as I went, I was able to kind of set expectations with my friends and my family members and say, hey, this is what I don't have right now. And this is what I'm really struggling with. And this is what I need. And if you're able to fulfill that, I, I, I would love that. And I started building this support ring around me that, that I actually fit in because it was something that was designed for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking of like, like a knight or like some sort of armor or costume. Like it was fitted and tailored to who I am. And so I didn't have to, to feel like I could, you know, like fit here and belong there, but not this part of me. And that was a really beautiful experience for me. Absolutely. I remember um, when I was in Tucson, living in Tucson, I attended a Spanish branch for a while and I didn't super fit in there as a single white person, (laughs) Um, but I I did love attending. And that was when uh, gay marriage became legal nationwide and we had a, a lesson about it at church. And I remember after sacrament me and thinking, I don't want to go to this lesson. Like, I don't want to talk about this. And I wasn't out to anyone um, in the ward or in the branch. And I remember as I walked in saying a prayer and saying, Heavenly Father, I'm not going to mention anything. I'm not going to talk. But if you want me to say something, you have to make it really obvious. And in the middle of the lesson, my hand just shot up in the air. And I said, um, uh, you know, we're talking about LGBTQ people as if they're not part of us, but there are a lot of members of the church who experience same-sex attraction who, who want to be in the church. And, I, church. and I said, and I'm one of those people. And the branch president came up and gave me a high five. And then the, the conversation just shifted from, from, from you know, there, there are these gay people to how are we going to make sure that, that our branch is, is welcoming and loving and kind to everyone. Yeah. And I hadn't felt like I super belonged there. And then I remember we ended that meeting singing Families Can Be Together Forever. And I just had this intense feeling that these people were my family and that I belonged with them. And that didn't happen until I was able to be vulnerable and share that part of me with them. That's really neat. You talk about, you, you mentioned being nervous to belong. Can you, can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, kind of, I relate a lot to the compartmentalization that you were talking about. And I think that's a lot how I've lived my life up to a certain point is there's the side of me that's that's black. And then there's a side of me that needs to fit in with everyone that's white. And then there's this side, you know, like I, I compartmentalize how I live my life so that I could fit when I needed to. And so I, I started noticing almost I would act different with different groups. And um, what I learned on this journey, particularly leading up to Miss Utah was a ton about authenticity and what it means to truly be yourself. And I just wanted to be that in every one of those little compartments. I just wanted to be who I am and to not have this fear of being too white for people that are black and too black for people that are white. I just want to be me. I just want to be Rachel and how I talk is how I talk and how, how I act is how I act. And that's okay. You know, I just wanted that. And, um, so I really studied authenticity and really strive to reach that point. And I think that's what ultimately led up to me having the courage to come out was just that desire to not 
have to try and appease people and to fit into these boxes that worked for people's level of comfort. That's what I strive for. I think being adopted played a lot into that. I really was trying to be this perfect child and be this, this kid that people would want. And, you know, you, you try and, um, kind of prove your worth a lot when you've gone through adoption and things like that. I think, um, it's very common and, and I got stuck in that really my whole life. And so I just wanted to be free of that. So what does it feel like when you don't have to do that and when someone just completely accepts you, what's the difference there? Um, I think it's, it's realness, you know, it's a sense of knowing that, um, the people in your, in your life or in your tribe, if you will, they will always be there for you. It's not a conditional thing. And I think when you have something that's non, you know, it's unconditional, that's, there's no price you can put on that. And I think the feeling I, I personally had when I put post on, um, on my coming out post, if you will, when I, when I hit the button, I felt an immediate weight off my shoulders and it was, who's going to be there for me is going to be there for me. And who's not, you know what, as painful as it is to lose them. I'm glad that I know that the people that chose to stay in my corner are people that are going to be in my corner no matter what. And I don't have to appease them. I don't have to fit in a box to be with them. They are my people. Were you surprised by anyone that stayed in your corner? Absolutely. Yeah. I was shocked by a lot of reactions. I definitely think I was wrong about a lot of people. Um, some that was a pleasant surprise and some, it was a hurtful surprise. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely was, I was, I was really nervous about how, um, a lot of communities I was part of would, would react in coming out. And I, I was definitely pleasantly surprised. So there was a lot of overwhelming support, especially on social media, which was really neat to see. I, I didn't think that place would, <laughs> you know, it can it can be a very dangerous world, but it, I don't really think there was a negative post on there to my coming out. So that was special. Yeah. yeah so what, what I'm hearing you say again and again, Rachel, is for you to feel like you belong, you need people to see you as you see yourself. I think so. And just to see you as you are. Like we have flaws, we have imperfections and we have, you know, good and bad parts about us. But we know that we're all imperfect and that's okay. And I think just knowing that people are choosing to accept you when you're allowing even flaws to be vulnerable and the good sides of you to be vulnerable, that's just a really beautiful aspect of humanity. You know, I think that's how we best relate to other people. Yeah. What you're saying reminds me about the scripture that says that Zion is the people of one heart and one mind. Mm -hmm. And that in order to like build a people of God, we need to understand what's in one another's hearts mm -hmm. and, in, and understand what's in one another's minds. And also that verse in Mosiah 18 that talks about how the people had their hearts knit together in unity and love. And that in order to do that, we need to know what's in one another's hearts. And that's authenticity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Jumping off authenticity, I think in order for me to feel like I, I belonged, I had to be authentic. And I found myself, um, I, I, I love to travel and I travel a lot. And I found myself like coming out to strangers at airports <laughs> and just doing things like that. And because I, I wanted someone... I don't know. I, I felt like I, I couldn't change the perception of what someone thought I was. And that was scary. So it was easier to be honest about being gay with someone who I completely didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure some of that stemmed from if a stranger rejects me, I don't really care. Yeah. It's just like some lady in an airport, you know, but until I was willing to, to really be open and vulnerable with the people who were closest to me, um, that's when I really started feeling I like I did belong. And, mm -hmm. and like much like you, I was really surprised at um, the reception and the the positive support I got and so many people who just said I'll be whatever you need me to be yeah absolutely and I think something that was really beautiful to me was to see that um, 
the people that, that were in your corner still, we may agree or disagree on certain issues and we may view things differently and you may think I should handle it one way and I'm going to handle it a different way. But the beauty of it was it was it was about us caring about each other and not us caring about right and wrong. And I think that was the big, it almost like deepened the relationships that stayed. You know, it, it made it a, a level of depth that was even further than where it was prior. And I, I loved that about that process is that it, it solidified a relationship, but also it became more about um, truly just caring about each other instead of, you know, we all agree on the same topics. We all feel the same. It was, it wasn't that. It was, it was just less that we, transactional yeah, and more meaningful. Exactly. There was, there was a depth to it that wasn't there prior. And that shows a strong relationship if you're willing to be with someone that you disagree with and mm-hmm. might not see eye to eye with. Like you're there for them and not because you feel comfortable around them. Exactly. And I think I really lived in that comfort. I lived in a, a bubble and and I was around people that I was comfortable with and no one pushed me outside of that bubble and I didn't push that, you know, and that's kind of what I love about coming into the LGBT community is, is it's a really great option or opportunity to push yourself and to push other people to really think about things and, and to come to conclusions on your own and they can be different, but you still at this at the end of the day, you have that same level of acceptance and that's, that's a beautiful way to have a relationship. Yeah. So I'm going to read a quote by Brene Brown from her book, Braving the Wilderness, which yes. I read as I was coming out, like right before I came out, which is hmm. really a great blessing. Um, she said, True belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. And that's something I've had to experience a lot because, well, and you were just saying like you had to like be white enough and be black enough at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt that so much I, that I have to be gay enough and mm-hmm. also like spiritual enough at the same time, or even like gay enough and straight enough at the same time, because I, I, a lot of what I like to do is stereotypically like I've played basketball just in like hunting and growing up in Missouri. Like some of that doesn't like fit Mm -hmm. in people's minds as stereotypically gay. And so there's all of these like, um, boxes that people try to put me in. And when I really feel most like centered is when I'm just being me and not worried about which boxes I'm fitting in. And, and I'm so happy if, if part of my personality fits in what some people thinks in as a gay box but if part of it doesn't i'm okay with that and and so i love how she says um finding a sacredness and both being a part of something and standing alone i think it's also important to say that you know i thought for a while that since the two things that identify me the most are my religious affiliation as a latter-day saint and my orientation being gay i thought that i would find the most belonging being with people who are also gay and latter-day saints and i have found a lot of that but one of my very close friends fun laura is her nickname um she She sounds fun she is very fun (laughs) she is neither gay nor latter-day saint and we get along so great and i feel like i very much belong with her and so i don't think we always need to be with people who share um, these important parts of us to feel like we belong. I love that. And I think it kind of comes back to what we're talking to about that safety and that, that, um, it's not about being a a right or wrong or or anything like that. It's just about being. And, um, it's interesting to find how many people you, you will find that are like that, that are so outside of what we would in society typically box. Um, it's, it's some of those relationships that are almost the most meaningful that are, that are different at the same time. So Rachel, what are some of the biggest things you've learned on this journey to belonging? Definitely a lot of things. Um, it's it's a big lesson and it's a, it's a big journey and it's definitely one that takes a lifetime. And I know I have 
a lifetime more to go. But um, when it comes down to it, I think um, finding your your people, you know, finding finding your people is one of the one of the most important journeys to that. Um, and being willing to be vulnerable along that journey is is required. You just you got to do it. Um, but also that the most beautiful thing that people can be is authentic, especially when it's hard. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I love what you've added to this conversation, and it's really good to see you again. Thank you. It's good to see you, too. I told y'all she was good. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a 10 this round. Ah, <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time.